frontier gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, frontier gentlemen. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of the man called Paladin. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this fall. OTR Rock. And now, here is OTR We made the trip down to the Santa Fe Trail next day. Through Wagon Bed Springs and on to Jesse Daggett Stage Station. I sat on the box with Jim Buck while Chester rode inside with the passengers. And by evening, everybody was glad when we reached Daggett's. It was a typical road ranch with a large eating room and a row of sleeping quarters for the travelers. Jesse Daggett himself was a tall, angular man, gaunt and gray. He was quiet, but one could feel the trouble that lay inside him. The first chance I had to talk to him was in the yard after supper. Cold weather be coming soon. Have to lay in more whiskey. Yeah. You, uh, had this station long? Three years come spring. Built it myself. Pawnees tried to burn it down now and then, but I'm still here. <laughs> you plan to stay here, Daggett? Man's plans are his own, Marshal. Ah, I'm sorry. It was just an idle question. All right. Yeah, I think I'd like it here myself. No neighbors, but lots of company passing through. It ain't all good company. Uh, lots of people travel, good and bad. True. Like uh, the man who held up Jim Buck's stage yesterday. Shot that passenger. What about him? Well, you might call him the bad kind, don't you think? What I think won't raise the dead, Marshal. It might keep more people from dying, though. I figure that's what you're doing here, looking for that fellow. Marshal Dillon and Chester are investigating the murder of a young woman on a stage where a robbery occurred and gold was taken from that stage. And they get to the first station rest stop, as it were, to talk to the owner of the station to find out what he knows. And the episode is entitled, How to Kill a Woman. This episode is from October 31st, 1953. Happy Halloween, everyone. Enjoy this, and I'll be back with Frontier Gentlemen. Post Toasties, the heap good cornflakes, is proud to present Gunsmoke. Bye. <laughs> 
Dodge City and in the territory on West. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Say there, next time you hear a crackling noise in your kitchen, you better get up and investigate. Maybe somebody just couldn't wait for his breakfast of crackling crisp post-toasties. And that's a treat you shouldn't miss. Post-toasties, you know, are the good cornflakes. Why, after one taste, I'll bet anything you'll agree with me. Post-toasties is just the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. There's nothing quite like sweet kernel corn flavor when it's toasted right in. Toasted into crisp, fresh cornflakes. Man, oh man, that's post-toasties. Good cornflakes. Better try them. And now, Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. shame, Mr. Dillon. Oh, what is, Chester? Well, before long, it'll be too cold to set out here of an evening. <laughs> Winter's too cold, summer's too hot. How do you like spring, Chester? Oh, spring's all right, up here. But I remember back in Waco, we all got the ague every spring. Terrible fever. Makes man feel like a harp with a thousand strings. Yeah, I know, I've had it. That stage is mighty late tonight. It sure is. You know, my ma had a theory we'd be immune if we had three hard-boiled eggs on good price. Oh? But if that didn't work and we got the ague anyway, she'd tie salt mackerel onto our feet. <laughs> well, that ought to toughen up your feet anyway. Well, we all survive. Hey, look. Here comes the stage driver. Why, it's Jim Buck. Oh, yeah. Marshal. Hello, Chester. Hello, Jim. Uh, trouble, Jim? I'd call it trouble, Marshal. Got held up. One passenger shot down in cold blood. What? You're the meanest thing I ever saw. Where'd this happen? Other side of Wagon Bed Springs, between there and Jesse Daggett's. Daggett's? He runs the stage station out there near the Colorado line. And I got a mighty strong feeling Jesse Daggett's in on this, Marshal. What makes you think so, Chip? Uh, he knew I was carrying gold. After we'd laid over an hour or so at the station, I seen Daggett talking to a man who just rode in. Cussed looking a gunman as he'd want. Well, then what happened? Uh, the fellow rode off. Left before we did. Was alone? Yeah, just him, with his face covered. He never said a word. He took the strong box and robbed the passengers. And then he got on his horse and turned around and shot one of them right through the head. Why would a man do that, Marshal? I, I, I don't understand. Well, maybe he just likes to kill, Jim. But I'll go back with you tomorrow. Maybe we can find out. <laughs> made the trip down to the Santa Fe Trail next day, through Wagon Bed Springs and on to Jesse Daggett Stage Station. 
I sat on the box with Jim Buck while Chester rode inside with the passengers. And by evening, everybody was glad when we reached Daggett's. It was a typical road ranch with a large eating room and a row of sleeping quarters for the travelers. Jesse Daggett himself was a tall, angular man, gaunt and gray. He was quiet, but one could feel the trouble that lay inside him. The first chance I had to talk to him was in the yard after supper. Old weather be coming soon. I'll have to lay in more whiskey. Yeah. You, uh, had this station long? Three years come spring. Built it myself. Pawnees tried to burn it down now and then, but I'm still here. <laughs> you plan to stay here, Daggett? Man's plans are his own, Marshal. Ah, I'm sorry. It was just an idle question. It's all right. Yeah, I think I'd like it here myself. No neighbors, but lots of company passing through. It ain't all good company. Oh, lots of people travel, good and bad. True. Like uh, the man who held up Jim Buck's stage yesterday and shot that passenger. What about him? Well, you might call him the bad kind, don't you think? What I think won't raise the dead, Marshal. It might keep more people from dying, though. I figure that's what you're doing here, looking for that fellow. Jim Buck thinks it might have been that gunman you were talking to here, the day of the holdup. That was Nat Pilcher, but I don't care what Jim Buck thinks. Well, everybody expects a stage to get held up once in a while, but it's a different matter to shoot people down for nothing. I don't figure this man, unless he's just a born killer. He could have a lot of reasons. Men are all different. Yeah, sure. All got different reasons for doing what they do, living the way they live. Guess it's what's happened to them in the past. Spells it out. That's true. I'll tell you something, Marshal, but ain't what you want to hear. I believe in letting every man kill his own snakes. Now, this business is between whoever the bandit is and me. Is that it? That's it exactly. Every man for himself, you might say. I won't interfere, but I won't help. I see. Got to be like that. Even though a man was killed for nothing? Let dog eat dog, I see. Yeah. I hope you won't regret it, Daggett. One more regret won't break me, Marshal. Trying to get anything out of Jesse Daggett was hopeless. But I still couldn't agree with Jim Buck that he was partners with the road agent... Daggett somehow wasn't that kind of man. Anyway, there was nothing to do but wait and let things happen. Two days passed while Chester and I sat in the eating room and played two-handed stud. Now we got mighty restless. Late afternoon of the second day, however, Jim Buck drove back with his stage. The travelers came in first, went to their rooms, and then Jim came over to say hello. I wish I had a job like yours. Nothing to do but sit around, play cards, drink whiskey. Well, we do a lot of thinking, Jim. That's what makes up for it. You do, huh? Uh-huh. Well, you done any about finding Jesse Daggett's friend? Nat Pilcher? Well, if we did find him, Jim, we couldn't prove anything. No, neither could I, I guess. But you might just shoot him for luck. 
<laughs> You're too suspicious, Chip. He was probably just some cowboy riding through. Maybe. There's another pilgrim for supper. Hey, where's Daggett, anyway? Well, he went outside just after you pulled in. Didn't you see him? I was busy with the horses. And I still got work to do. I'll see you at supper. You know, that's a hard life, driving a stage, Mr. Dillon. I don't think I'd want to do that. Well, you might give it a try first, Chester. Now, wait a minute. I heard there was a marshal here. Yeah, that's right. What can I do for you? Me? You can't do nothing for me, Marshal. No? Well, then what do you want? I just wanted to see what a Marshal looks like. A live one. Satisfied? Sure. Then get out of here. You're touchy, Marshal. Real touchy. I don't want him to start no trouble. I want to come in to say hello. Friendly like. What's your name? Pilcher. Nat Pilcher. I thought so. Sure. I'm a friend of Jesse Daggett's. An old friend. Where do you live, Pilcher? You got a job around here? I'm a cowboy, Marshal. Know anybody needs a good hand? Well, what do you do besides ride? Funny. You ask that. Is it? You being a lawman. Ever hear of Charlie Hall, sheriff over in New Mexico? I have. They say Clay Allison shot him. That's what they say, Marshal. But I know for a fact it wasn't Clay. Nice meeting you, Marshal. See you later. <laughs> morning appetites at your house. Well, if they're pretty drowsy, here's a real good way to wake them up. Set a bowl full of Post Toasties, the heap good cornflakes, at everybody's place. Just watch your folks take notice when they see how crisp Post Toasties are. And wait till they taste that sweet kernel corn flavored toasted in. Bet your whole tribe will agree with you. Post Toasties are the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. And here's a thought, if you'd like to make a good thing even better. Try topping Post Toasties with your favorite fruit. You'll find that's a mighty good way to start the day. Fact is, it's a downright delicious way. So next time you shop, be sure to ask for Post Toasties. They're the heap good cornflakes. You'll see. Post Toasties heap good cornflakes. The best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. Heap good cornflakes. Toasties, heap good cornflakes. Now back to Gunsmoke. Jesse Daggett's state station lay on the prairie miles from anywhere. It would be an easy thing for a man like Nat Pilcher to ride in long enough to check on a stagecoach and the value of its cargo, and then ride up the road a few miles and wait for it, 
But I still didn't believe Daggett was in on the deal, even though he and Pilcher had obviously known each other somewhere before. The next morning at dawn, Jim Buck loaded his passengers aboard and pulled out. Daggett and I stood there and watched the little cloud of dust as it moved up the Santa Fe Trail toward Wagon Bed Springs. Make Dodge tonight and he'll be back here tomorrow. I, uh, met your friend Nat Pilcher last night, Daggett. Pilcher rode out before supper. Yeah, I know. Seems like he only came in to tell me what a hard case he is. <laughs> to warn me about it. it. Didn't have much effect. You're still here. Uh, you... Don't think I scare that easy. All right, Marshal. Things will work out here without you. Daggett, I don't know what's going on down here, and if I'm meddling in your affairs, I'm sorry, but uh, a stage has been robbed and a man's been killed, and that makes it my affair, too. I want to thank you for not thinking I got anything to do with all that, Marshal. Well, I wasn't sure at first, but I am now. Even so, I'm not going back to Dodge without a man. No, no, I suppose you won't. Well, let's go inside. Sure. You, uh, ought to plant some trees there, Daggett. it sure improve the place. Not enough water. Now, dig for it, then. You'll never get a woman to come out here and marry you unless you've at least got some trees. How's that? <laughs> There's no offense. I was just remarking that women like things growing around the place. Let's say I meant it, uh, generally. No offense. I thought to have a woman here once when I first planned about running the stage station. It was over in New Mexico. Seems like a long time ago. Oh, things don't always work out. Yeah, I was mighty fond of her, Marshal. But I lost her. I've been a little lonely ever since. Oh, you came close. That's better than some men do. I don't know about that. But it is funny how a man goes right on living. Even when his luck's about run out. Yeah. yeah. Come on inside. I'll heat up some coffee. Good. Got him, Chester. Mr. Dillon. Do you mind if we don't play anymore? I'm beginning to see things. <laughs> it's okay with me. Uh, the stage ought to be here soon anyway. I just think Jim Buck's been all the way to Dodge and back, and we've just been setting here another two days. Well, waiting's always the hardest part. Well, there's the stage uh, now. At least there'll be some people around here. Yeah. Hello, Jim. Come out here, Marshal. What? What? Trouble, Jim? You stop me again, Marshal. By heaven, I'm going after him now if you don't. Take a look in the coach here. Why? What's the woman? Is she dead, Jim? Of course she's dead. She's got a bullet in her. Where are your other passengers? There ain't any. She's the only one this trip. Look at her, Marshal. He killed her. And there's some blood soaking through your jacket, Jim. You hit that. In the shoulder. Knocked me off the box. I wasn't going to stop at all. And then he just rode up and put a bullet in her and rode off. Never said a word. You think it was Pilcher? Well, let's ask Jesse Daggett here who it was. No. 
Take a look in the coach, Daggett. Take a good look. Well, Daggett, what do you think of killing women? Look at him, Marshal. I told you. You ever see a guiltier-looking man? You're wrong, Jim. Doesn't even make sense. Well, he didn't do it. No. But he's in on it somehow. Chester, I'll help you bring the woman inside, and then we'll see what we can do about your shoulder, Jim. Come on. It doesn't make sense. None at all. But I figured it would soon. And after I did what I could for Jim Buck's shoulder, Chester and I buried the woman. Put a cross over her grave. We'd find out later who she was. The rest of the night, we took turns watching for a move from Jesse Daggett. And sure enough, an hour before dawn, he saddled up and rode out into the prairie. We let him get a little start and then took a couple of his horses and followed him. You think he's going to meet Pilcher? If he can find him. We must have come ten miles already. Yeah, about that. We shouldn't have let him get so far ahead of us, though. Well, we're right on his trail. Yeah, I know. Hey, what's that up there? Huh? Look. What's the man? Yeah, come on. Come on. Whoa. Where's Daggett, Mr. Dillon? He's been shot. Yeah, Follow me, Marshal. How bad are you hurt, Daggett? Pretty bad. Pilcher? I'd have killed him, but my gun didn't go off. And he got me easy then. No luck left at all. Right? Any idea where Pilcher is now, Daggett? Said he was going back to the station to get you. Took my horse with him. I'd have come with you this morning. Wasn't your business. This was between me and Pilcher. I'm here looking for a fight. I didn't want to kill anybody no more. Not even him. So he drove me to it. Finally, that woman yesterday. No, I couldn't stand that. You mean he shot her and the other passenger just to prod you into a fight? Marshal, I'll tell you now. I had a woman out in New Mexico. Nat Pilcher tried to run off with her. I didn't shoot him, though. I shot her instead. I figured it made more sense. You killed her? I don't think he'd have minded so much if I'd have killed him, but I figured he wasn't doing nothing I didn't want to do myself. I didn't blame him none. I blamed her. Vilcher's been after me ever since. I could have stopped all this if you'd told me sooner. Every man's got to kill his own snakes, Marshal. I tried. You can have them now. I ain't gonna live long. I'm sorry, Daggett. Uh, Chester will stay with you. I'm going back to the station. You both go. I can die alone. I ain't afraid. No. Goodbye, Daggett. Bye, Marshal. Chester. Yes, sir. 
plan for him. Poor fellow. I'll send somebody out to help you bring him in later. Yes, sir. Pilcher, Jim. Out back, looking for whiskey. Where's everybody else? It's been a busy morning. How's your shoulder? It hurts. I gotta get up to Dodge somehow and see it. See. Morning, Marshal. Oh. Hello, Pilcher. You've been riding? So have you. Man like me rides a lot, Marshal. You should have kept going. I wanted to see you again before I left. That's what Jesse Daggett told me. I'm going to kill you. And then Jim here. Oh, no, wait a minute. Shut up, Jim. Don't sure you can drop your gun belt and take your chances in court. If you like. My chances are better right here, Mark. It's your choice. It's always been my choice. Except for the night Jesse Daggett shot his wife. Did he tell you about that? It doesn't matter now. To me, it does. You... No! You killed him, Marshal. Yeah. You hit? No. What's this all about, anyway? A woman. Jim, I'm going to hitch up the stage and drive you into Dodge. Yeah. I'd be grateful for that. We'll have to go out of our way some. Oh? Why? Daggett's luck ran all the way out this morning, that's why. Next week's adventure on Gunsmoke. Say, Mother, want to see your small fry eat a better breakfast than ever? Well, may I suggest that you dish them up some sugar crinkles to start with? Sugar crinkles, you know, make breakfast more fun than a circus. Sugar crinkles is the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. It's high time to forget these sugar-coated cereals that seem too sweet to you and those others that don't seem sweet enough to the kids. Just pour out crisp golden sugar crinkles and see how just right sweet a sugar-coated cereal can be. Just right sweet. Be sure to get several packages of sugar crinkles because they're great for snacks. Kids love them that way. Kids love them anyway. Try sugar crinkles and you'll love them too. Remember, new sugar crinkles is the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. Smoke under the direction of Norman MacDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Jack Edwards, Lawrence Dobkin, and John Daner. Harley Bear is Chester. 
Ken Peters speaking. Our freedom to worship God is a precious national heritage. Attend the church or synagogue of your choice with your family and support it actively. Light your children's life with faith. Bring them to worship this week. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, tracks a renegade during his fight to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Listen next week at this time when Gunsmoke will be brought to you by Sugar Crinkles, the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. stranger in these parts. Yes. You figuring to stay here for the night? Yes. Don't do it. Don't? Well, why not? Listen, you think I'd have stopped off if I wasn't plumb out of provisions? Ain't nobody in their right mind comes around the Grovers and they can help it. Oh? Why? I don't know all the why of it, but there's them say peculiar things happen. Things? Don't ask me what. I don't know. All I'm telling you is I've heard, that's all, dark things. For example... That Mrs. Grover, you seen her? Not yet. Still-tongued woman. And a girl. They say she's got away with ghosts and the like. <laughs> ghosts? Go on, laugh. Maybe you'll laugh when you wake up murdered in the night. Oh, as bad as that, huh? There's folks been seen riding this way that's never been seen again. Murdered by the Grover family? There's talk. Obviously. I give you warning. As soon as I get my provisions, I'm putting distance between me and this place. Even you got the sense you was born with... You'll do the same. Good evening. You're Mr. Kendall? Uh, yes, that's right. I'm Sally Grover. My brother says that you're staying with us tonight. Yes. My mother asks if you'll be satisfied with meat pie, or would you rather have a plate of beef? Oh, whichever is convenient. I don't want to put you into any trouble. No trouble. Mm -hmm. Meat pie, then. Thank you. I'll tell mother. Are you being attended, sir? Fine. I'm just fine. Yes, ma'am. Very well. Dinner will be in about a half an hour, Mr. Kendall. Thank you. <laughs> well, there you have it. This is uh, Frontier Gentleman's version of Halloween Story. <laughs> and uh, find out if there are ghosts and goblins in the 1870s. This episode is from November 2nd. 1958, and the episode is entitled Nasty People. <laughs> and yeah, it's going to make me wonder. I'm going to be listening to this episode along with you. And after Frontier Gentlemen, I'm going to bring you Have Gun Will Travel. Enjoy this. Kansas, I found shelter for the night, which led to a number of rather awkward incidents. This is what happened. Frontier Gentlemen. an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. 
But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. My rainmaking friend, Darby Bullman, had offered to take me into partnership in a new venture, namely water divining, the discovery of hidden springs and wells by methods known only to Mr. Bullman. I declined with thanks and hastily set out alone for the town of Independence, which I knew to lie some 20 miles distant. I hoped to arrive before dark, but my horse had gone slightly lame, and I faced the depressing prospect of camping hungry in a steadily falling rain. But a few minutes later, I was cheered at the sight of a dim glow of light in the gathering dusk and came upon a frame building surrounded by a stand of willowy trees. I tied up my horse, knocked at the door. It was immediately opened by a pleasant-looking young man of about 20. Evening, sir. Good evening. You're looking might wet. Come on in. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, there's a store. Yes, sir. Not much of a one. Only place between Independence and Osage Mission for supplies. Ah. Where are you about? Uh, Independence. Tonight? Well, if I can. I wouldn't try if I was you. Trails washed out a couple of miles up the way. Less than you know it good, you can get bogged down pretty bad. Oh? Then, uh, would there be any possibility of putting up here for the night? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to ask Pa. Pa? Me and my pa and ma and Sally, we live in the back. Ain't a heap of room. Oh, well, I wouldn't want to put you out. The barn would be fine if you had one. We'll see what Pa says. We take care of travelers once in a while. Uh-huh. Ah, what is it, son? Fella here, his horse is lame, wants to know if we can bed him down for the night. My name is Kendall. I'd be very grateful. Uh, howdy. Albert Grover. This is my son, William. You don't mind a shakedown in the storeroom. It ain't the most comfortable. But... Oh, I'm sure it'll do nicely. William, tell your ma to set another place for dinner. Sure, Pa. Um, I'll want to pay you, of course. Well, I ain't exactly in the hotel business, but I reckon a dollar will take care of it. Bed and food. All right. Thank you. Oh, and is there a place for the horse? William can put him in the barn. You better make it another 50 cents if you want feed for the horse. Oh, yes, of course. <clears throat> Where are you from? No particular place, just traveling. Salesman? Uh, newspaper correspondent. You got a foreign sound to your talk. <laughs> I came from England. Oh. You uh, got any tobacco to sell? New bales just come in. How much? Pound, I guess. A sack of flour and coffee. Pound. Don't mind waiting a minute, do you? I got to get the tobacco out of the storeroom. I'll wait. You want to come on back with me, Mr. Kendall? No, I'll get my saddlebag right, first. Sure. You do that. Well, mighty nice rain we're having, ain't it? Yes. <laughs> Mister, you a stranger in these parts? Yes. You figuring to stay here for the night? Yes. Don't do it. Don't? Why not? Listen, you think I'd have stopped off if I wasn't plumb out of provisions? Ain't nobody in their right mind comes around the Grovers and they can help it. Oh? Why? 
I don't know all the why of it, but there's them say peculiar things happen. Things? Don't ask me what. I don't know. All I'm telling you is I've heard, that's all, dark things. For example? That Mrs. Grover. You seen her? Not yet. Still-tongued woman. And a girl. They say she's got away with ghosts and the like. <laughs> ghosts? Go on, laugh. Maybe you'll laugh when you wake up murdered in the night. Oh, as bad as that, huh? There's folks been seen riding this way that's never been seen again. Murdered by the Grover family? There's talk. Obviously. I give you warning. As soon as I get my provisions, I'm putting distance between me and this place. Even you got the sense you was born with, you'll do the same. Good evening. You're Mr. Kendall? Uh, yes, that's right. I'm Sally Grover. My brother says that you're staying with us tonight. Yes. My mother asks if you'll be satisfied with meat pie, or would you rather have a plate of beef? Oh, whichever is convenient. I don't want to put you in any trouble. No trouble. Mm-hmm. Meat pie, then. Thank you. I'll tell Mother. Are you being attended, sir? Fine. I'm just fine. Yes, ma'am. Very well. Dinner will be in about a half an hour, Mr. Kendall. Thank you. You get a good look at them eyes. Mm-hmm. Rather nice eyes, I thought. Mr. You're plum loco. They burn through you like a branding iron. You got a gun on you? Yes. Best keep it under your head tonight. No telling. Yes, I'll, I'll remember. Man, I'd have to be drunker than $700 to stay in this place tonight. I'll accept your word for it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I want to take care of my horse. I sure wish you luck, mister. I surely do. Yes, the same to you. That's you, Mr. Kendall? Hmm? Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. Knock the back to get your horse better down. You want to lead him, I'll show you the way. Right. Sure is a big rain. About time, too. It's been drier than the dust storm around here. Yeah, so I've heard. What was that? What? It sounded like somebody crying out. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm so used to it, don't mean nothing. That's a little old owl up to the top of the barn. I guess he killed himself a mouse or something. Don't let that bother you none, Mr. Kendall. Come on, better get that horse of yours out of the wet, lest he catches his death. Of all green filters, cigarettes, can't filters best. Kent Filters Best. It makes good sense when you smoke Kent. Kent Filters Best. Of all of the brands of cigarettes, Kent tastes the best. Kent tastes the best. A richer taste than all the rest. Kent Filters Best.
left young William Grover to rub down the horse and feed him. By the time I returned to the house, the stranger had gone. I met Mrs. Grover, a tall, dark-haired woman, severe, unsmiling, and a few minutes later we were seated at the table eating an excellent meat pie. The father applied himself diligently to the task of eating. William chatted constantly, and Sally, olive-skinned, tall as her mother, quite beautiful, watched me across the table an odd smile on her lips. Mirror, I set eyes on him. I said, now that fellow, he ain't from around here. He's maybe town folks. And he don't know the screech of an owl, and I'm sure of it. Ain't that so, Mr. Kennedy? <laughs> it was rather an odd sound. What sound? Owl in the barn. Be quiet, William. Oh, uh, no, we were taking my horse to the barn, Mrs. Grover. I thought I heard a cry. Your son told me about the owl in the barn. That was all. More pie. You eat too fast, Albert. Which paper do you write, Mr. Kendall? The London Times. I never read the London Times. Sal, she's real educated, Mr. Kendall. Had school. She does a sight of reading. You believe in spirits, Mr. Kendall? Oh, why, uh... Do you believe that the dead can return? (laughs) I've never given it much thought, Miss Grover. Don't let her get started, Mr. Kendall. William... You'll be needing more wood for the stove. Yes, Ma. And put on your hat. Keep the chill off your head, boy. Yes, Ma. Mighty fine meat pie, Mother. Mm. It's very good. If you're finished, Mr. Kendall, Mm. I'll take your plate. Thank you. Sally, the coffee. Uh, How come you're traveling this way, Kendall? You got friends and independence? No, it happens to be the closest town... I'm not quite sure what I'll do when I get there. Uh, what do you write? Mostly about things I've seen, the country, people. Have you ever written about things that you can't see? Do you know about such, Mr. Kendall? I'll no lecture tonight, girl. Leave the man in peace. <laughs> not at all, Mr. Grover. I'd like to discuss it. Uh, I don't have to listen. I got chores. What about your coffee? Later. I know you're not a believer. I can see it in your eyes, Mr. Kendall. Perhaps you can convince me, Miss Grover. You're laughing at me. Indeed, no. I'm most interested. You should be, Mr. Kendall. You only write of the living. There's more. I've written of the dead. There's still more. Tell me about it. I don't know for how long she talked. Strange thoughts, half-formed ideas, philosophies. I was conscious of the depth of her eyes and remembered the words of the stranger like branding irons. Candlelight flickered on the wall and I was suddenly aware that we were alone in the room. Mrs. Grover had disappeared. There was only the sound of the girl's voice, drum of rain, crackle of burning wood in the stove. Then she became silent. Nothing I've said. Nothing's made you understand. The experiences, things that have happened to you, they're quite possibly true. I think I'd have to see and hear for myself, though. People here believe in me. I've lectured for miles around. They're afraid of me, too. Is that good? If you knew, you'd be afraid. 
Is that what you want? People to fear you? I would have thought that a girl like you, pretty, intelligent... Pretty. That's really all you see in me, isn't it? All any man sees. You'd like to make love to me. No. No, I don't think so. Oh? <laughs> You're a little too direct for me, Miss Grover. Why shouldn't I be direct? I'm different. I'm not like other women, am I? No. You're not. Perhaps in a way, it's a pity. If I were like the others, you'd want to make love to me? <laughs> You're not. You may kiss me. No. Why? Because you don't know how to behave like a woman. I don't understand. Well, someday you will. Why did you come here? My horse went lame. Raining. Too far to ride tonight. Go away. Why? I don't know. You're not like the others. Go away. What others? It's <gasps> past time for your bed, Sally. You'll be wanting your own sleep, Mr. Kendall. Early to bed, early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Good night. behind the wheel. That's all it takes to convince you that the 59 Plymouths really got it. Got the newest of new design, new sport car handling ease, new fury performance, new get up and go. Just tell your Plymouth dealer you want to sample the go. Then you turn the key and Plymouth's new Golden Commander V8 leap to life. Now you just push a button and go on your way to the most fun-filled 15 minutes of your driving life. See your Plymouth dealer. Take your fun drive in the 59 Plymouth real soon. You really go, go, go for a Plymouth, and Plymouth will really go for you. I lay on my in the cold little storeroom. Shadows wavering on the wall in the uncertain light of the sputtering candle. Somewhere, a shutter rattled in a gust of wind. The rain had stopped, only a dripping from the leafless trees. The wind. Uneasy sounds, and I felt under the blanket roll, which served as a pillow. I heard it. Somebody outside my door. I drew out my gun. The latch, slowly, slowly raising. 
Do you know how close you were to entering that spirit world of yours? Thought that you'd be asleep? No. I want you to go now. You said that before. Why? I can't tell you. Has it anything to do with what the stranger said to me before he left? Stranger? The man came in to buy provisions. He told me to leave, too. Warned me. About us? Yes. What did he say? Something about people disappearing. I gather that you and your family are not overly popular. You're not like the others, are you? What do you mean? I want to be like the woman who said I'm not. If I tell you, will you go away? Will you take me with you? Tell me what. I want to be loved. I'm afraid of what I am. Take me with you. Tell me what. You're strong. You'll understand. It's not my fault. I want to go away. I've always wanted to. Others came here. They know about me. Because I'm pretty. You didn't come because of that, did you? He didn't either. He was a stranger, too. Who? Over there. Behind the bales. stranger I had seen a few hours earlier was lying huddled against the wall, surrounded by bales of tobacco, sacks of flour and sugar. His head had been smashed in, and his throat was cut. I sensed the girl at my shoulder. They didn't have time to take him outside. They were afraid you'd hear. See, you were in the barn. Why? You'll take me with you? Listen to me. Why have they done this? The money. They get yours, too. The others. You said there were others. Yes. How many? I don't remember. Will you take me with you? Now? Before they come to do it? You murdered them? No. Pa and William, they do the killing. The others weren't like you, though. I didn't care if they died. I always had to die first. When are they coming for me? Do you know? Soon. Do they know that you're with me? Yes. We can go now before they come. I don't think so. They'll kill you. No. Yes. They're very good at it. What about your mother? She's not my mother. She's just the woman Paul married. I don't like her. Get over in the corner. Not a sound, you understand? Go on. Stay out of the way. Over here. Get up. 
Come on, Sally. Get up. We go away now. You take me with you. If you're with me, they won't come back. They'll be afraid. Drop down your gun, Mr. Kendall. Come over to me, Sally. Ma, he's going to take me away. I want to go. Don't shoot him. You obey me, Sally. Get out of the way. No. No. I hate you. I'll kill you. Is she dead? Is she? Yes. I'm glad that you'll come back again. They all will. They won't hurt you anymore. You take me away now. Yes. I'll behave like a woman. I won't tell you kiss me. I'd like to. I want to. Yes. She smiled, closed her eyes, and quietly died. When I went outside, the moon was out, the air smelled fresh and clean. And very faintly, I thought I heard the voice of a girl calling to me. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Eddie Firestone, Polly Bear, Paula Winslow, and Vic Perrin. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking. Drive with care. Nobody has a life to spare. This is the CBS Radio Network. Overnight, you can enjoy your newspapers. It lies there on the seat. And there's another good thing about newspapers. You can read them while you're rushing to get ready for work in the morning, right? Who listens to radio?
medium called radio That's with you every night Through the long commuter fight And in the morning with your toast and mama lady Who listens to radio No matter if it's summer, winter, spring or fall Who listens to radio Only 150 million Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to Have Gun Will Travel. This episode was broadcast November 23rd, 1958, but it was actually recorded on November 2nd, 1958, the same date as Frontier Gentlemen aired on November 2nd, 1958. And I'll be telling you more about this award-winning series in the coming weeks. I'm just going to give you this teaser episode of Have Gun, Will Travel, because in two more episodes of Frontier Gentlemen, we'll be rolling over into Have Gun, Will Travel. So enjoy this Have Gun, Will Travel, and I'll be back in two weeks with another Have Gun, Will Travel. Enjoy. Sit down, gentlemen, and sit still. I've come to order a coffin for the first one of you who makes a move. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of the man called Paladin. Good evening, Mr. Paladin. Good evening. Oh, here are the paper, Mr. Paladin. Oh, thanks, hey boy. Uh, uh, excuse, please. Must go a lady look for me. Lady? What lady? Mm-hmm. Well, I should say it is a lady. Oh, very sorry. Could not catch tickets to opera. All sold out. Oh, I had so hoped to sit in that performance. And you still can. Huh? I couldn't help overhearing your difficulty. I have an opera box if you would care to be my guest. Oh, thank you. But we could not presume on your courtesy. Uh, we? Uh, my husband and I, Senor... Paladin. Oh. Now, of course, the invitation extends to him also. We have been looking for you, my dear. Oh, Miguel. Uh, Senor Paladin, this is my husband, Senor Rojas. Senor. Senor. And Dr. Mayhew. Great pleasure, Mr. Paladin. Dr. Mayhew. Senor Paladin has kindly offered us his box at the opera tonight. There were no more tickets. Very kind. Uh, Dr. Mayhew is, of course, included in my invitation. That's very gracious of you, Mr. Paladin. The invitation is accepted? We accept, on the condition that you join us. And be our guest for dinner, Mr. Paladin. Is that not correct, my dear? Quite correct, Mr. Paladin. Until this evening, then, when is there? Mr. Paladin? Oh, 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 husband, no like you. <laughs> I'm afraid you're right. But then, why should he? 
No one could be more at home with history than Edward R. Murrow. For more than 20 years now, he's focused his attention on world affairs, broadened his viewpoint with travel, and sharpened his perspective by meeting and getting to know many of the leading statesmen of our time. Five evenings a week on CBS Radio, Edward R. Murrow shares his experience with you. For a clear, concise report on today's important developments, join us on most of these same stations when it's time for Edward R. Murrow with the News. A fuller understanding of current events is waiting for you, too, on every lively edition of our World News Roundup. Seven mornings a week on CBS Radio, the World News Roundup takes you to the scene of the news for eyewitness reports by CBS News correspondents. Hear what's happening direct from where it's happening. Get the feeling of the news along with the facts as our World News Roundup comes your way at breakfast time tomorrow. Dr. Mayhew, it's time to wake up. The performance is over. Oh, oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Paladin. Opera is not one of my special likes. Uh, uh, Which one was this? The Marriage of Figaro by Mozart. Oh, 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 yes, of course. (laughs) Well, at any rate, Don Miguel's wife seems to have enjoyed it. Dona Maria is a remarkable woman, Doctor. Meant to savor and enjoy beautiful things. And I might comment for your particular benefit, Mr. Paladin, that Don Miguel is a remarkable man. Wait a minute. Huh? Oh, oh, what is it? Someone behind the curtain. Behind... What? Don Miguel! Look out! Don Miguel! Miguel! Senor Paladin, help him! My husband has been hurt! Please, Dona Maria, Dr. May, you will do all he can. Paladin, he needs treatment at once. We'll have to get him out of here. Yes, any news? No, not yet. We are still waiting. I spoke to the police. There'll be no trouble. It was a clear case of self-defense. The man attacked your husband and was shot down. It was lucky Don Miguel was armed. Yes. Is he always armed? Uh, I do not know. Did you see the man who attacked your husband? Of course I saw him. Did you know him? No. The man looked very surprised at the way things turned out. Oh, it doesn't, Dr. May. You hurry. Doña Maria... Has Don Miguel ever been attacked like this before? No. Yes, 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 he has. There is no need to lie about it. It's an insane blood feud that has cost many lives already. This was bound to happen. They failed tonight. They will not fail another time. Blood feud? Perhaps I can help? This is not a tragic opera, senor. In this case, death is very... Doctor, how is he? He's resting quietly. You may go to him now, Doña Maria. Uh, Doña Maria. Yes. Give him my card. This is not time for form. Have gun. Will travel. Give it to him. Please. See, I will. Well? Uh, The wound itself isn't too serious, but I don't like the looks of it. Why, Doctor? What's the problem? 
There was poison on the knife blade. Nothing familiar. A plant substance of some sort. The question is, will Don Miguel live? Yes. For perhaps a week. Dr. Mayhew has told me I'm dying. That is why I sent for you, after I read your card. My wife has told you of a vendetta. Yes. Yes, she did. What do you want? Revenge? No. My task for you is much more personal. I want you to escort my body safely to my home in San Tomasino and deliver it there to my wife. Doña Maria, isn't she here in San Francisco? I sent her home this morning. I wish to die unobserved. Someone once commented you were a remarkable man. Do not misconstrue my sentimentality. The vendetta against our family includes the threat of mutilation of the body. In which case, the bestiality is complete. I would prefer that it did not happen to my body. Will you take the job? All right. $1,000 and expenses. We have a bargain. Good. You'll be paid by Maria upon safe delivery of my body in San Tomasino. Thank you, Senor Paladin. San Francisco. What did you say, hey boy? Big robbery in San Francisco. $230,000. Oh, very careless. You read? No, I was reading something else. Don Miguel Rojas, distinguished visitor from Mexico, died last night of knife wounds, suffered last week when he was attacked by an unidentified assailant while attending the opera. Mr. Paladin? Yes? I am Mr. Wilkins. Oh, yes, the mortician. You sent for me. May I be of help to you? You can turn one of your clients over to me, Mr. Wilkins, the late Don Miguel Rojas. Here, this is a letter of authorization. The body is to go into Mexico. You'll need a certificate to cross the border, sir. I have that from Dr. Mayhew. And uh, how do you propose to transport the body? I've hired a stagecoach, Mr. Wilkins. Uh, when would you like to start? As soon as possible. 
Blackstone. Miguel will be ready. Good day, sir. Good day. Oh, how long you be gone, Mr. Paladin? Oh, 12 days, two weeks at the most. Now, why do you look like that? Hey, dead man. Oh, no good trip carrying dead man. You know, border stations are all alike, Mr. Paladin. Anybody here? You just try to go through without inspection. You'll find out if anybody's here. Where's your destination? San Tomasino. Name? Paladin. My driver is Timmons. Just the two of you? Uh, three. John, Miguel, Hey! You can't take a dead body across the border. Yes, I can. There's a statute book. Read Article 8, page 14. You want to inspect the coffin? Open that thing up? Oh, not me. All right, then. What's the country like between here and San Tomasino? Well, empty. Except for a water hole called Loma Verde. The rest is rattlers and blow dirt. Oh, go on. Inspection's over. Let's go, Timmons. spot of green we've seen, Mr. Paladin. Loma Verde's hardly a paradise. I don't like it. Huh. Can't say I like it much myself, but we won't be here long. At least we can water the horses. The sooner we can move on... The... Hold it. Why? We have company behind that rock. Yes, I lost minus. Bandits. Don't move. Raise your hand, senores. Do what he says. Bueno. He's alone, Mr. Paladin. Him against us. Yeah. What are we going to do? We can let him kill us here, or we can fight him here. You say the word. Now. Very wise after such a foolish thing. Now climb down carefully. Now what? You may bury your friend if you wish. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Seems I know you from somewhere. Quite possibly. If I take off the handkerchief, you might remember where. Don Miguel. Of course. You're not a bad shot for a corpse. Do not make me prove that point again. It has the fresh, clean scent of pine. It's new. It's at your store. What is it? It's the best disinfectant anywhere. Kills disease germs on contact. 
It's Lysol in a new pine scent. Right. Now there's a new pine-scented Lysol. Now your home can be pine sweet and Lysol clean with genuine Lysol brand disinfectant. New pine-scented Lysol disinfects, deodorizes, deep cleans kitchen, bathroom, nursery, sick room. Keeps things fresh and sweet with no extra work. Pine-scented Lysol helps guard your home. In laboratory tests, Lysol's anti-germ action kept working for seven full days. So try this new pine-scented Lysol. Make your home... Pine sweet and Lysol clean. You can still get regular Lysol, too. Turn around, please. Your gun... And now we can talk like gentlemen. Sure. Now, I would like to satisfy my curiosity about that cargo. Open up my coffin. Money. A great deal of it. The shipping payroll robbery. $230,000. You plan well. Dr. Mayhew was in on this? He has been paid off along with Mr. Wilkins, our undertaker. They made my debt seem very convincing. But not as convincing as yours will be, Senor Paladin. What are you waiting for? First, you must help me with another burial. The money must be hidden until certain arrangements are made. Replace the lid and come down. you any false move will shorten your life and will assure you a much more unpleasant death than you now contemplate pick up the shovel now move when you staged that attack at the opera what about the man who was killed the man was hired to play a part i changed the ending of his scene <laughs> no wonder he looked surprised you cannot play chess without sacrificing pawns now, dig. All right. You're in check. <laughs> Miguel. Miguel. Checkmate. to the border. Hey, did you deliver that? The coffin's still up there on top. And the corpse is in the coach. Take a look. You see? Just sit where you are, mister, and start explaining. <laughs> that is the body in the coach. The coffin up here is filled with stolen money. What are you trying to pull, mister? You don't think I'm telling the truth? No. There's an easy way to prove it. Come on up here and open the coffin. All right, I will. Here, give me a hand. Right. Well, I'll 
be. What's your name? Farley. Mr. Farley, there's a lady in San Tomasino waiting for the body of her husband, whereupon she will pay me my fee. I need your help. What's this got to do with me? I thought you might want to get credit for the lady's arrest if she's a part of the plan. What about all this money? What would we do with that? The colonel in command of the 3rd Cavalry at Nogales will sign for it and escort it back to San Francisco. All right. We'll turn the money over to him and start back. But how do we know if this lady's guilty or not? Suppose you leave that up to me, Mr. Farley. Surprised to see me? No, but I thought... I didn't wish to disturb the servants. You see, my errand is quite personal. Yes, my husband sent word before he... Would you like us to bring the coffin in this way? Very well. Excuse me. All right, Mr. Farney. I don't like this, Paladin. This is Mr. Farley, Doña Maria, Senora Rojas. How do you, ma'am? How do you do? Uh, I will get your money, Senor. Uh, don't you think you should make certain that I have fulfilled my part of the bargain? Yes, you are right. Open the coffin. Farley. Yeah, yeah. That is my husband. I will get your money. What do you think, Farley? Not guilty. No woman could be that calm. She thought her husband was alive and then saw him dead. Then you're satisfied she had nothing to do with him? Yeah. All right. Wait for me at the stagecoach. Yeah. Don't be too long. Where is your man, senor? There is a drink for him in the kitchen. You hid your surprise very well. And your grief. I had no grief for Miguel. I do not know how he died, but I can never thank you enough for giving me my freedom. My life with him was a nightmare. I can believe you. I saw it in your face. Goodbye, Doña Maria. Wait. Your money. <laughs> no, I'd rather not. Please, senor. It gives me pleasure to pay for my errors. Especially since this is the last payment. Very well. Should you come again to San Francisco, I hope you'll come with me to the opera. Ah, Dr. Mayhew. Oh, I, uh, I got your message, Mr. Paladin, but I'm afraid I can't give you too much time. I'm a very busy man. All of us are. Ah, here comes another busy man. Hey? Mr. Wilkins, the undertaker. My dear Mr. Paladin, what can I do for you? Sit down, first of all. Thank you. Doctor. Uh, uh, Wilkins. <clears throat> well, Paladin, what is it you want? I'd like to order a coffin. A coffin? For whom? For whichever of you gentlemen makes the first move. Well, I... This is a derringer in case identification escapes you. Hey, boy. Mr. Paladin? Get me a policeman. On second thought, get me two policemen. One apiece. Oh, oh 
big story in papers. Dr. Mayhew and Mr. Wilkins all in jail. Where they belong, hey boy. Ah, here we are. Oh, where are we? San Francisco Opera premiere tonight. Hey boy, I want you to take this over to the opera house. Buy me a box. Oh. Now, what's the matter with you? Last time you go to opera, man get killed, money get stolen. Oh, big trouble. You know, learn. <laughs> of course I learn. What would you have me do? No opera, no lady. <laughs> hey, boy, I'm afraid you have a lot to learn. Have gun. Will travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald, and stars John Daner as Paladin, with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Ken Cove and adapted for radio by John Dawson. Featured in the cast were Lillian Bayeth, Harry Bartell, Joseph Kearns, Howard Culver, Ralph Moody, and Vic Perrin. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel.